Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan, and I'm here today with Mandy, and we are continuing into 2 Samuel now, uh, looking officially at David as king and what it looks like for him to become king. So there's there's a couple of strange stories in here, actually. Um, we get these horrible fights uh, right at first, and then after that, we find out about these like mighty men and some of their exploits, and one of them is pretty strange. Like David's just like, I'm really thirsty. And then he's like, never mind, I'm not thirsty anymore. So uh, as we're reading this, Mandy, what stuck out to you? What'd you notice? Well, first of all, if any women listening who've had a baby and you're pregnant and you need the water and then your husband brings you the water and then you don't need the water anymore. Okay, Ryan, some of us have lived like that and it's fine. I just can't imagine those guys were like, yeah, cool, it's fine. I mean, maybe they were actually. I, I don't know. Um, um, my thoughts on this, I mean, things that stick out to me, yeah, there's a lot of death. It seems like a lot of like... Um, hey, I'm going to show you who's the mightiest of the mighty men. Um, some of it seemed like willy nilly, like when they were just sitting and they said, like, "Hey, how about all? How about you get twelve men and you get twelve men?" This was what Abner and who was it? Abner and David. There, it was basically like like twelve men representing David, twelve men representing Joab. At Ish, Ishbosheth at that oh. point, like the the new king. Okay, that they like Saul's line. Um, and, and it, like, it's, it's kind of stark. It's just like, and they died. Yeah. All of them. hundred yep, percent. They all just all fought. Just and grab their hair died. and stab each yeah. other. So that was weird. But then, um, you know, at some point they say that was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. So there's this whole thing happening. Right. And as time passed, David became stronger and stronger while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. Yeah. Um, which obviously we know is going to happen because, yeah. um, well, Saul's dynasty was built on, um, well, not integrity, if that's one way to sum it up. It, it's kind of interesting. What what I notice is that like they were never supposed to have a king, that ever. So it was never God's intent that they would have a king. They got a king anyway. God's like, this is not going to be great for you. And actually, what follows is just horrible violence. Yeah. Like, and and it comes across like super nonchalant. Like, and they all died. And they all and died. on to the next thing. I know. So even to the author, it's not. Odd. Now, what you will notice as we're reading over these things, it does feel like, and, and you'll probably experience this over the next couple days, um, it does feel like we repeat ourselves quite a bit because we're reading some from 2 Samuel and some from Chronicles. And so 2 Samuel and Chronicles, they're both recording the same events, but for different reasons. Mm -hmm. So because we're reading this chronologically, we hit those same things. So if you're listening to Mandy reading and you're like, she just said that, it's because we're doing a passage from Second Samuel and a passage from Chronicles. Sometimes they're exactly the same. Sometimes they highlight different things. And sometimes I pronounce the names exactly the same. And sometimes <laughs> they're different because I'm making it up. Uh, all that matters is that you're confident. That's that's <laughs> oh, the tip. Oh, and I wasn't. I so was at a 62% confident level. If you're, if you're pronouncing Bible names, just be confident. Yeah. Nobody actually knows how to say them. Um <laughs> Uh, what I will say is that I noticed this time as we're reading it, there is going to come a time as we're reading through this where the kingdom is going to split. Mm -hmm. So there is a united Israel sort of at this point, but at some point it is going to split into the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And so that comes like far off in the future, but you actually see that tension here um, with the the people that are going to follow Ishbosheth are for the most part, from the, the Israel side of things, and the people that have already decided to follow David are, for the most part, from the Judah side of things. So this is a longstanding tension that we're going to see play out um, in the future. 
Uh, right now, we're just seeing like what we know is already going to happen because Samuel has anointed David as king. Like we know that God has said David's going to be the king. So these guys standing up for Saul's line, like they don't have a chance. Do they know that David was anointed king? I don't think so. Oh, man. So I think that like, I, again, it was never God's intent that there would be a king. So like, I think in, in God's perfect plan, this is never even an issue. But how this plays out, and it, what's weird is that when those initial generations said, no, we'd like a king, please let us have us have that, that decision is going to play out over hundreds of years now, where there's these kings and there's these wars and there's just senseless violence. Okay, but why did God say yes? I don't know. And, and what we've talked about in the past um, is that there's not only did God say yes, actually in Deuteronomy, when they're getting the law, God gives them laws for what kings should follow. So God simultaneously says, you should never have a king. And when you do have a king, this is what they should do. And interestingly enough, uh, they don't actually follow that at all. So so even in... even oh, that is not even, shocking. Even with God being gracious and saying like, hey, when you do have a king, make sure they do this. And, and like the passage is super small. It's Deuteronomy 17. It's not much. It's like, don't let kings um, collect wives. Don't let them collect. I don't think it uses quite the term collect. But it's like kings shouldn't collect possessions and people and things. Mm. They should be concerned about following God. And already, even in, in the opening verses of this of, of this passage today, um, we already see that David already has two wives. He's not even in the thick of being king yet, and he already has two wives, and he was never supposed to have more than one. Oh, man. So it's interesting to me, one, that that God even let it happen in the first place, two, that he prepared them for that, and three, they still didn't go with it anyway. <laughs> Is that surprising to you? Because so far, that seems to be the theme of the Bible. <laughs> it is, and we see that in our own lives. I mean, I, I think one of the things we don't always recognize is the lasting consequences of our decisions, but mm -hmm. we have no reason to believe it's any different. No, so, right. so when God is like, hey, follow me, that, that, that command is still there for us. We are still supposed to be loyal to him and to him alone. But historically speaking, like it's you don't have to look far to be like, man, Christians are always lining up behind new kings. And guess what? It's never good. Yeah. It's never good. So dang. there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I don't know how to end that on a positive note. But <laughs> Here's a positive note. Tell us. We'll learn some more tomorrow. <laughs> The, the story continues. That is positive, um, right? The story isn't over. This is the good news. There's there's always grace. There's always mercy. But there is there, there's we reap what we sow in a lot of ways. Oh, and I so know. there's I mean if nothing else, it's um, an encouragement to us to continue to seek the Lord in the way that we make decisions because probably these people when they said we would love to have a king, they didn't think it was that significant of a decision. And, and it, it was. Literally changed it everything. was. It literally changed everything for a long time. It changed things yeah. for their kids, for their kids' kids. Wow. So. Hey, guys, we are so happy that you're listening to God's Whole Story. I hope you're getting something out of this. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow just continuing to see what David's life is like. So we'll see you then. Can't wait. Bye. Bye. 2 Samuel chapter 2. After this, David asked the Lord, should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied. Then David asked, which town should I go to? To Hebron, the Lord answered. David's two wives were Ahonam from Jezreel and Abigail the widow of Nabal from Carmel. So David and his wives and his men and their families all moved to Judah and they settled in the villages near Hebron. Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. When David heard that the men of Jabesh Gilead 
had buried Saul, he sent them this message. May the Lord bless you for being so loyal to your master Saul and giving him a decent burial. May the Lord be loyal to you in return and reward you with his unfailing love. And I too will reward you for what you have done. Now that Saul is dead, I ask you to be my strong and loyal subjects like the people of Judah who have anointed me as their new king. But Abner, son of Ner, the commander of Saul's army, had already gone to Mahanaim with Saul's son Ishbosheth. There he proclaimed Ishbosheth king over Gilead, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, the land of the Asherites, and all the rest of Israel. Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was 40 years old when he became king, and he ruled from Mahanam for two years. Meanwhile, the people of Judah remained loyal to David. David made Hebron his capital, and he ruled as king of Judah for seven and a half years. One day, Abner led Ishbosheth's troops from Mahanam to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruah, Zeruah led David's troops out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. The two groups sat down there facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggested to Joab, let's have a few of our warriors fight hand to hand here in front of us. All right, Joab agreed. So 12 men were chosen to fight from each side, 12 men of Benjamin representing Ishbosheth, son of Saul, and 12 representing David. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other's side so that all of them died. So this place at Gibeon has been known ever since as the Field of Swords. A fierce battle followed that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were defeated by the forces of David. Joab, Abishai, and Asahel, the three sons of Zeruah, were among David's forces that day. Asahel could run like a gazelle, and he began chasing Abner. He pursued him relentlessly, not stopping for anything. When Abner looked back and saw him coming, he called out, Is that you, Asahel? Yes, it is, he replied. Go fight someone else, Abner warned. Take take on one of the younger men and strip him of his weapons. But Asahel kept right on chasing Abner. Again, Abner shouted to him, Get away from here. I don't want to kill you. How could I ever face your brother Joab again? But Asahel refused to turn back, so Abner thrust the butt end of his spear through Asahel's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He stumbled to the ground and died there, and everyone who came to that spot stopped and stood still when they saw Asahel lying there. When Joab and Abishai found out what happened, they set out after Abner. The sun was just going down as they arrived at the hill of Amma near Gia, along the road of the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's troops from the tribe of Benjamin regrouped there at the top of the hill to take a stand. Abner shouted down to Joab, Must we always be killing each other? Don't you realize that bitterness is the only result? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers? Then Joab said, God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken, for we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew the ram's horn and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. All that night, Abner and his men retreated through the Jordan Valley. They crossed the Jordan River, traveling all through the morning, and didn't stop until they arrived at Manaheim. Meanwhile, Joab and his men also returned home. When Joab counted his casualties, he discovered that only 19 men were missing in addition to Asahel, but 360 of Abner's men had been killed, all from the tribe of Benjamin. Joab and his men took Asahel's body to Bethlehem and buried him there in his father's tomb. Then they traveled all night and reached Hebron at daybreak. That was the beginning of a long war between those who were loyal to Saul and those loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. These are the sons who were born to David in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was Ahonom from Jezreel. The second was Daniel, whose mother was Abigail, the, wid the widow of Nabal from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah, whose mother was Abital.
The sixth was Ithram, whose mother was Eglah, David's wife. The sons were all born to David in Hebron. These are the sons of David who were born in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was Ahanim from Jezreel. The second was Daniel, whose mother was Abigail from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. The fifth was Shephtiah, whose mother was Abital. The sixth was Ithram, whose mother was Eglah, David's wife. These six sons were born to David in Hebron, where he reigned seven and a half years. These are the names of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim, the Hakmonite, who was leader of the three, the three mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 800 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoah. Once Eleazar and David stood together against the Philistines when the entire Israelite army had fled, he killed Philistines until his hand was too tired to lift his sword and the Lord gave him a great victory that day. The rest of the army did not return until it was time to collect the plunder. Next in rank was Shammah, son of Agi, from Harar. One time, the Philistines gathered at Lehi and attacked the Israelites in a field full of lentils. The Israelite army fled, but Shammah held his ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Once during the harvest, when David was at the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephim. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. The Lord forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risk their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. These are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. Together with all Israel, they decided to make David their king, just as the Lord had promised concerning Israel. Here is the record of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Jashobim, the Hakmonite, who was the leader of the three, the mightiest warriors among David's men. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoah. He was with David when the Philistines gathered for battle at Pastdamon and attacked the Israelites in a field full of barley. The Israelite army fled, but Eleazar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines, so the Lord saved them by giving them a great victory. Once when David was at the rock near the cave of Adullam, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephim. The three, who were among the thirty, an elite group of men, an elite group among David's fighting men, went on to meet him there. David was staying in the stronghold at the time, and a Philistine detachment had occupied the town of Bethlehem. David remarked longingly to his men, Oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem. So the three broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well by the gate in Bethlehem, and brought it back to David. But David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord. God forbid that I should drink this, he exclaimed. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. So David did not drink it. These are examples of the exploits of the three. Abishai, son of Zariah, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the thirty. He once used his spear to kill three hundred enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the thirty and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. 
and David made him captain of his bodyguard. Other members of the thirty included Asiel, Joab's brother, Elhanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah from Herod, Ilakah from Herod, Hilez from Pelon, Ira, son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abiezer from Anahoth, Sibekai from Husha, Zalman from Ahoa, Maharai from Netopha, Haled, son of Bana from Netopha, Ethai, son of Ribai from Gibeah in the land of Benjamin, Benaiah from Pirathon, Huriah from Nehilagash, Abi Alban from Arabah, Asmaveth from Baharam, Elahabah from Shalbon, the sons of Joshan, Jonathan, son of Shagi, son of Harar, Ahiam, son of Sharar from Harar, Eliphelet, son of Ashbai from Makkah, Eliam, son of Ahithabah from Gilo, Hezro from Carmel, Parai from Arba, Egal, son of Nathan from Zobah, Benai from Gad, Zelak from Ammon, Naharai from Beeroth, the armor bearer of Joab, son of Zariah, Ira from Jatir, Gareb from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite. There were 37 in all. 1 Chronicles 11, verse 20. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the 30. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three. Abishai was the most famous of the 30, and he was their commander, though he was not one of the three. There was also Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kazbil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed with only a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was seven and a half feet tall and who was armed with a spear as thick as a weaver's beam. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaniah as famous as these mighty warriors. He was more honored than the other members of the thirty, though he was not one of the three, and David made him captain of his bodyguard. David's mighty warriors also included Asael, Joab's brother, Elhanan, son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shammah from Herod, Helaz from Pelon, Ira, son of Ikasa from Tekoa, Abiezer from Anahoth, Sibakai from Husha, Zalman from Ahoa, Maharai from Netopha, Helad, son of Bana from Netopha, Ethiai, son of Rabbi from Gibeah in the land of Benjamin, Benaiah from Pirathon, Hariah from near Nehagash, Abai Alban from Arabah, Azameth from Baharam, Elahaba from Shalban, the sons of Jashin from Gizon, Jonathan, son of Shegi from Harar, Ahiam, son of Sharar from Harar, Eliphal, son of Ur, Hefer from Mirica, Ahijah from Pelon, Hezra from Carmel, Pariah, son of Isbai, Joel, the brother of Nathan, Mibarar, son of Hagri, Zelek from Ammon, Naharai from Biroth, the armor-bearer of Joab, the son of Zariah, Ira from Jatir, Gareb from Jatir, Uriah the Hittite, Zabad, son of Ahalai, Adina, son of Shiza, the Reubenite leader who had thirty men with him, Hanan, son of Maka, Joshaphat from Mithna, Uziah from Ashtaroth, Shammah, 
and Jael, the sons of Hotham from Aror, Jediel, son of Shimri, Joha, his brother from Tiz, Eliel from Mahaba, Jerabai and Joshaviah, the sons of Elnam, Ithmah from Moab, Eliel and Obed, Jasiel from Zoboth. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.